Good morning. Glad that you're here this morning. As you, some of you saw, I had to run down and realized I forgot my microphone. And what would be worse than you not being able to hear my sermon, right? No, I know that may make some of you laugh, but glad you're here today. And obviously this weekend is a big weekend. I appreciated what Jeremy said in his welcome about this being Fourth of July weekend. Many are already out of town for that, which is great. And you may be here because you're here visiting fa family or relatives, and that's wonderful too. We're glad that you're with us. You know, I think it's interesting sometimes when we go back to the root of Independence Day and we think about our freedoms, we were wanting to be free of, of England, of Great Britain. And now many will say that they are our greatest ally, which is interesting. But we also celebrate as a church, obviously, always, we celebrate our freedoms in Christ, what Christ and not only his sacrifice, but his resurrection brought us. And what we should always remember is, is that Satan is not our ally, and he has never been our ally, that he wants to take us down, but instead God wants to lift us up. And I think about so many things that are happening in this church today, the freedom to worship, like you are worshiping today. We come together to worship, and we are so thankful that we have the freedom to do this together publicly. We're going to worship one way or another, but how great it is that we can do this publicly. And how great it is that we have the opportunity and the freedom to teach our children. And many of your kids were in class today, and many of you are here as, as about, I think, 119 of our own kids and sponsors left for camp. What a great thing that God has done, and how great it is that we have freedom to share our faith this way. This, this morning, we continue on in our in our series that we've been talking about the Lord is, and this is one you might have thought would be the first one, the Lord is my shepherd. So many people have this, this passage of scripture at sometimes at their weddings, and wow, my watch started talking to me. I'm not sure what I did. Sometimes you might have this at a wedding, but, all, but probably 50% of the time I hear this at funerals, the Lord is my shepherd. Well, I'm just going to read that to you today. It's in a little different version but you will know it. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. And even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Strong passage. And let me tell you, this will tell you that I'm an old preacher. I am not able to preach Psalm 23 in just one sermon. This will tell you that I am a wise preacher. I'm not going to try to preach it all in one sermon, okay? So next week we will look at a second half of this, the second portion of this passage. But these verses have offered comfort to so many, and so many read this, but maybe they never study it, and maybe this will help a little bit. There are two images of God in this psalm. Obviously, you say, well, he's shepherd. Well, absolutely. In that second part, he is host whenever you come to the table, and he hosts us. So next week, we'll be looking at it as God is host, but right now we look at it as God is shepherd and what God is doing for us. 
And so you know Psalm 23, verse 1, the very first verse, the Lord is my shepherd. Now in many of your versions of the Bible, what you see, especially in the Old Testament, when you see capital Lord, and I mean capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, that is the personal name of God, the I am. He says, I am is my shepherd. That this is Yahweh or Jehovah, like the song that we sing sometimes, or various songs. That that is who this Lord is. This is the all-encompassing God. This is the one that is above all gods. He is above everything, greater than everything. That's who David, who wrote this psalm, says, is my God. The all-encompassing I am is my shepherd. Wow, that's pretty powerful. When you start thinking about the things that he goes through, that's what I want. I don't want a God that is only so-so. I don't want a God that's pretty strong. I want to follow and be under the God that is greater than every other thing in any universe that they ever discover, that God is greater than those things because he is creator. That is who the Lord is in this passage of Scripture. And he says, we lack nothing. Nothing. Wow, sometimes I start thinking about this and I go, whoa, wait a minute, what do you mean we lack nothing? When I was a kid and I would read this in the old King, John, King James, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. I was completely confused because I thought I wouldn't want anything because I still want a whole lot of stuff, right? But he says, I lack nothing. I have everything I need. And he said, well, I don't know. I mean, what do you mean by that? Well, there are a lot of things we don't need that we think we need, Right? I mean, in Houston, it's really hot, and I go, I need an air conditioner, and I'll tell you, I really want an air conditioner without a doubt. I, you know, I, I mean, I want to conserve, but at the same time, I want to feel good, right? So we all are, right? I think I have to have an air conditioner. That's a necessity, except for hundreds of years, people lived without an air conditioner. I think I have to have a microwave, Except for gazillions of years, people lived without a microwave. There are so many things like that, and don't misunderstand me. I still want them, I use them, I appreciate them. I don't want to lose my air conditioner, I don't want to lose my microwave, or whatever other things you can think of. But those aren't necessities, those are blessings on top of our necessities that we are given. The things that cause me the most problem are my blessings. So you start thinking, wow, I think, you know, I have a car. Maybe you have two cars, and then you have a car problem, right? Maybe you have a house, and you buy a house, and it's going to be great. Then that air conditioner goes out, and then there's a hailstorm, and then you have trouble with your electric, electricity, and now all at once you have problems you didn't have before. You buy a house that has a pool. Well, this is going to be great, and you, and you think you're going to use it a lot more than you do, but it's going to be great to have, right? And then you've got to pay somebody to do the chemicals, or you've got to figure out how to do the chemicals yourself, or go to salt or whatever, and it's all stuff to work with and figure out. And all those blessings end up causing a lot of problems. But God says, the person who depends on me lacks nothing. 
They have everything they need. I love the way this was put in another psalm. In Psalm 34, verse 10. The lions may grow weak, just like the song we sing. The lions may grow weak and hungry, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. This isn't on your screen today, but back over in, in the New Testament, in the book of Matthew, in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, Seek first the kingdom of God, and all these things will be added to you. Now, years ago, we used to sing that song so often, you knew it was just always going to be sung, Seek ye first. And for those of you who are new to religion, to church, to Christianity, you may not know that verse, but those of you who are as old as me, you sing it all the time. It comes right out of the Bible, Matthew 6, verse 33. Seek first the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added to you. So you put that into context, what will be added to me? And earlier in the, chapel, in the, in the chapter, he's talking about food and clothing and shelter. That you will be provided in some way food and clothing and shelter when you seek first the kingdom of God. Doesn't mean that necessarily that you're going to be eating, eating caviar and steak you will be provided for. Doesn't mean that you'll necessarily be in a mansion, at least in this life, but you will be provided for. There will be a place. God will provide for those who seek first the kingdom of God. He's saying, those who make the Lord my shepherd, God provides. We lack nothing. And also it's interesting here that he says God is the shepherd. The Lord is the shepherd. What's interesting about that is, as we go over to the New Testament again, Jesus is the shepherd in the New Testament. And so you see him, you see what Jesus says in John chapter 10, verse 11. Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. Now you see something about who the, what Jesus is willing to do. He lays down his life, he dies on the cross for us. But at the same time, you see him saying, I am the good shepherd. You also read, heard in the scripture reading today, in that great passage, when Jesus says, I and the Father are one. We are so close, it is hard to figure out the difference in us. He's shepherd, I'm shepherd. I thought you said the Father was shepherd. He is. I thought you said the Son shepherd. I did. They are that close together. They are separate, they are together. The Father and the Son are one. And so it is this good shepherd of who Jesus is that is the one that protects us and takes care of us. And you say, well, what does he do? How does he do that? Well, it's Psalm 23, verses 2 and 3, where it says that he lets me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He renews my life. He leads me along the right paths. This is who the shepherd is. The shepherd lets me lie down in green pastures. Isn't that kind of a beautiful image that's in your head? He leads me beside quiet waters. You know the world we live in, what I hear my girls say all the time? It's chaos. Everything is chaos these days. You know what? It's true. It's chaos, isn't it? Doesn't it feel like the world is in chaos, the world outside of here? Some of us have lives that are in the midst of chaos and you came in. Maybe even the reason that you came to church today is because it is chaos that you're dealing with when you go home or you go to work or you get on I-10. It is just flat chaos. And what does the Lord do? The Lord leads us beside quiet waters and into green pastures. That is exactly what I need. 
I need out of all this noise. I need out of all these problems, whether they are my problems or someone else's problems. This is exactly what I need. The Lord is my shepherd. He lets me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He renews my life. Now this phrase, to lie down, is an interesting one. It literally means to sprawl. You know the phrase sprawl? Like you just go all the way out, right? I saw some pictures on the internet, I wanted to put one on, of, of a uh, lamb that was upside down, sprawling like this, and then I thought, well, the lamb looked dead, and so that wasn't a good thing to do. So it's that idea, when you've been on a long trip, and maybe you've driven for hours, and you thought you would never get home, or maybe you're waiting on the hotel, and you think one more hour until the hotel, and you're so sleepy, you can't see straight, and you, you keep eating candy or whatever to try to stay awake, put ice on your eyes, whatever. I've tried it all. And you finally get home or you get to the hotel, and you know that idea? You just open up your arms and you just fall right into the bed. You know what I'm talking about, right? Some of you fall backward, some of you forward. Probably better in a hotel to go backward than forward. And so, so you know what that feeling is like. Oh, we are finally there. I can finally rest. That's what happens when the Lord is your shepherd. When the Lord is your shepherd, he leads you into green, green pastures where you can sprawl. Finally, I can be here. In the classic book by, by Thomas Keller, four th he talks about four things sheep need in order to lie down. This book is a classic. I think on Amazon you can download it maybe even for nothing. It may even be free. But, but it's a classic. This is what he says, the four things sheep need in order to lie down. First of all, they need free from fear. They need to be in a place where they are not afraid. You know what the Lord says? I'm going to take care of this. I am the all-encompassing God. I am going to handle your problems. I can, hang, I can take care of it. But Lord, do you know what's going on in my marriage? I can take care of it. Do you know what's going on with my kids? I can handle that. Do you know what's going on in the country? I can handle it. You can rest in me. So they need free from fear. And they need to be free from friction with other sheep. I like the way he uses all these Fs. Free from friction with other sheep, meaning they can't be fighting. Some of you may, for example, have your children, maybe they're in the same bedroom. And you know what it's like whenever they start fighting with each other? There's going to be no sleep when that happens, right? And so you take one, you leave one there, and you take another and put them in another room if you have one to put them in. If not, you take one and you put over here and one over there and say, do not look at each other. You're not allowed to talk. You're not allowed to look at each other. And finally, they can rest. It's this idea of obviously you don't take sheep to counseling. You know, can you imagine standing there with the sheep, you know, and, and saying, well, well, you know, how do you feel? You know, I'm sorry, that's not even funny. It's just bad, right? And so he says, he says, amen, I like that. They need to be where they're not fighting with others. You separate, and then they need to be free from flies and parasites that nag them and bother them and make them scratch. And then they need a full stomach. They need to have eaten something. We know the importance of, of children not going to bed hungry, and we understand the importance of food, physical food. But then Jesus talks about the importance of eating spiritual food. 
So when we are eating that spiritual food and we're coming to know Jesus better and we're understanding his ways and where he's leading us, all at once what we find ourselves able to do is to say, you know what, there are a whole lot of problems around me, but I can rest in Jesus. Boy, the world is a mess. My family situation is a mess, all this, but somehow I am able to sleep. I am able to rest, and I'm not talking about just physical sleep, but I am able to rest in Christ. I'm able to rest in God, who is my shepherd. Now, I want to go back to this green pastures thing again. I think this has been talked about. I think Sean Freeman talked about this one time. But green pastures were different when David was writing than what we imagined. When I think of a, and actually the picture on the screen is considered a, especially the bottom one, a green pasture. When I imagine green pastures, I imagine the cows in Switzerland. You know, some of you have seen those pictures or you've seen it with your own eyes, where there are those beautiful fields that seem to go on forever and the cows have their big bells on, right? And they're out there in the field and just looks so beautiful and serene and wonderful. And that's what I imagine except David was not writing in Switzerland. David was writing in Israel, a dry, arid place. And so what was considered a pasture was very different, a green pasture. matter of fact, what it was was something that looked a little bit more like the desert that happened to have grass in it, a little bit of grass along the trail. And the sheep would eat here, And they would walk, and they would eat there, and they would walk, and they would eat there, and they would walk in one mouthful, another mouthful, another mouthful, another, walking along the way. It wasn't like they were just out in the middle of a field the way we may imagine it. Sheep keep moving in order to eat. And you say, well, that seems kind of odd. Well, you know what it does? Our reliance, then, is on the shepherd rather than on the pasture. So, maybe this is what happens to us sometimes in the United States, other countries too, but maybe this is what happens to us. Maybe we become incredibly satisfied in the pasture and we focus on the pasture rather than focusing on the shepherd. You know what I'm talking about? We have such incredible gifts and blessings. We have so much wealth, we have so many toys, we have so many fun things we can do. And we start focusing on those things, and it completely takes us away from the one who has provided those things. So maybe there's something good to to this that we're not, not taking it for granted what we have when we realize it may have looked a little different than we had imagined. So then there's Psalm 23, verse 4. This in the traditional King James, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. You know that passage. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I shall fear no evil. You know that passage. Wow, that's a powerful passage. And you often hear this quoted as well, even just this little bit, I will fear no evil. So in those days, in those, in those places in Israel, in those valleys, because it's so dry... Even an inch or two of rain could cause a flood. That water would start flowing through those valleys, and if you were in a valley, you could literally die from an inch or two of rain because it would be coming so fast. 
Not only that, could that happen if there were rain, there also were many issues and for robbers to hide, to kill people, to steal, and you can imagine you don't want to go through a valley like that. But there is something that I think I had never noticed until this sermon. I don't know why. You all have probably already figured it out. But there, is on, there only is a shadow when light is behind it. There is only a shadow when there is light behind it. So all those times that you're in the valley, understand what you are seeing is an image of something, but there is light that is coming into the room that produces that shadow or, or makes that shadow. And John 8, verse 12 says, When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never <coughs> excuse me, walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. When you are in the midst of the valley, don't forget God is there. God is there with you. Whenever you are going through that, God is with us in our darkest moments. When you find yourself in a place that it feels so dark, oh, you, you're not in the dark, you are in the shadow. But the light is with you. And you say, but Lord, where were you? He says, I was right there. Were you with me when my marriage was, was in the pits? Yes, I was there. Were you with me when I lost my job? I was there. Were you with me when I couldn't find a job? I was there. Were you with me when I was abandoned? Yes, I was there. The light is always there. He never leaves. The light is always there. In Psalm 23, verse 4, he goes on and he says, Your rod and staff, they comfort me. Well, I've read this all my life. I memorized it as a kid, and I guess I never thought too much about a rod and staff. They were just Bible words, I guess, and, or words for a shepherd, but I, didn't, I never knew a shepherd. And so rod and staff, what's the difference? I want you to think about it. You probably have already figured this out as well. But a rod, the purpose of a rod is for correcting. He's going to stop the sheep when the sheep is going the wrong way. He's going to poke the sheep and tell the sheep to get back on the path, go the right way. You're missing the field because you're out here eating rocks. Go back to the right place. He's going to poke. And then you, on the other side, you have the staff. And the staff has that curly part there. So whenever the sheep goes off by himself, instead of poking him and pushing him off the mountain, what he does is reaches down with that staff and he pulls that sheep back up again. So one is for correcting, and one is for rescuing. So I can get rescue as comfort, but do you know what the psalmist says? He said both of these provide comfort. You have to have humility in order to be corrected and find that comforting, right? You have to realize that you are with the all-encompassing God, the almighty God, in order to say, yeah, that was comforting to be corrected. But that is what David says. So here's my question for us today. To be honest, is God my guide? I understand you're here on a holiday weekend and you're going, well, of course he is. Would I show up if not? Would I have not changed clothes and been there? If not, maybe. Probably in a lot of cases, you'd still be here. But I want you to think about this. Is God what determines the way you work at your job? Is God 
what determines the way you deal with family members and friends? Is God the one that determines and guides you toward how you live on weekends and how you are in the boardroom and how you are when nobody else is around? You see, some people say God is their guide, but really their job is their guide. Well, sorry, I can't do that because, right? The job becomes the guide. The boss becomes the guide. Even the family can become the guide. Sports become the guide. I become the guide. All kinds of things become the guide, except God Almighty. And if you want to expect problems in the world, follow whatever other guide you want to. Whatever other one you want to, and you will find disappointment. But even when the problems of this world hit, if the Lord is my guide, I still have a comfort and a peace that passes understanding that cannot be explained because the Lord is my shepherd. And if and this is not something we all achieve or even I achieve every day. There are days that I have to think more on this than other days. But when God is my shepherd, I can take just about anything. Let me correct that. I can take anything. Because I know he's the shepherd. He's the one who will lead me into eternity. And he's the one where hope will finally be realized and we will be with him forever. This morning, if you need to be baptized into Christ... If you want to find out about what baptism is about, or you can talk to me in the back, or you can come forward, or if you need prayer, to, to write to us at elders at mcoc.org, or you can come forward and we'll pray for you. But what we want to do is we want to help each other as we go through these valleys to remind each other that the Lord is our shepherd, that the Lord is the one that is getting us there, not to give in, not to give up, but to help each other in those times. Come this morning as we stand and sing.